0: for us to rejoice and be glad in. Father, I thank you. Open up our ears to hear. Open up our hearts to receive the engrafted word. Let it get deep into our spirits and, and heal our souls and our minds. And we thank you for it, Lord. We bless you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen and praise God. amen, amen. Amen. So I thought I'd exhort you some today on learning contentment, learning contentment and uh, how important contentment is to our well-being How and really contentment is a goal of, of um, should be of our lives. Uh, the Apostle Paul said in Philippians 4 or verse 12, you want to turn there real quickly, we'll Kind of center most of what I say around that today. 4 and verse 12. He says, I know, here we go, verse 10, but I rejoiced in the Lord greatly, now that at least your care of me has flourished again, wherein you were also careful, but you lacked opportunity. So Paul was rejoicing that the church was able to supply some need that he had. And he is certain that they wanted to do it, but they didn't have the opportunity to. He said, not that I speak in respect of want. So he's not talking about his needs. He's talking about something greater than that. For I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. So contentment is something he learned, and I think that is something that we all have to learn. It is a must if we're going to uh, accomplish the goals that God has for us, if we are going to uh, last through this race and uh, continue to serve God joyfully, uh, willingly, and produce fruit and be productive. Uh, Even in our older years We will have to learn the lesson of contentment Uh, He says I know both how to be abased Which means I know how to live on very little And I know how to abound Live on a lot Everywhere and in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry He's instructed To be a certain way. He's instructed. Who's instructing him? The Holy Spirit. Absolutely. So the Holy Spirit being our teacher is instructing us in how to be both full and hungry. In fact, the Holy Spirit orchestrates our lives in such a way that we are full and hungry at the same time. We're never driven by one extreme or another. Contentment means you're not extreme. You don't live in the the realm of extremes. You live a life that's pleasant to you and to those around you. That's part of contentment. Contentment uh, extends out from you to reach those around you. Because we're witnesses. Witnesses attest to something. And your testimony, if you're a content person, your testimony is that God is the author of your contentment. And others know it. They know you as a peaceful person, a contented person, a happy person, a joyful person. Make sure that that's your testimony because that's what God has ordained for us. And the, the goal, uh, the way he does it, is he teaches us contentment. It's something you have to learn. Excuse me. Thank you. So he says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And that's how you're content. You can't do this without relying on God. You can't do this on your own. You know, a lot of Christianity, I think, is, is built around us doing good and then showing God how good we are. You know, there's still that little, even though we're mature beyond that, I'm sure, uh, there's still that nagging thing in us that wants to prove our goodness to God And then watch him beam at us because we're good on our own. Um, God is not about that. He knows that you can't be good or you would have saved yourself. Which nobody has been able to do. And so he wants us to live a life dependent upon him. And dependent upon the work of the Holy Spirit in us and understand that learning is a continual work in our lives. We will always be learning how to maintain contentment, how to maintain satisfaction, how to maintain composure, how to maintain the Christ life because that's the atmosphere that we dwell in on the inside of us is what God has created us to live out of and not out of our outer surroundings. Uh, not out of our um, you're not dependent upon what somebody else thinks about you how they treat you what they bring to you that's never to be your contentment and so uh, uh, God placed the garden of life on the inside of us there's a tree of life on the inside of every individual God put it in there because he tried it the opposite way, it didn't work. He put man in the garden first, and the enemy came into the garden and affected man. And so this time God put the garden inside of us. So we, we allow him to tend and cultivate it. We allow him to grow the fruit of the Spirit on the inside of us. And that's what we live out of. You are no more dependent upon your outer surroundings than, you know then, you know, it's just, it's not where you live. You're placed here in the earth, and there are certain things that you do related to the outer, but the inner is so much more important. And so the inner contentment is what God wants us to learn, how to center ourselves in a place of inner contentment. So what does contentment mean? It really means satisfaction or gratification means that you're full, you're gratified, you're fulfilled. That means you're not lacking anything. You're not upset because something's out of joint in your life. Now, you can be hungry for certain things to come into your life, but you're not starving. Got me? Being hungry is normal. Starvation is extreme. So many times people, I'll give a common example, you know, you have a lot of single people in churches now. There are some people in churches who never anticipated getting married. Um, And that's evidenced oftentimes by the way they've lived their lives. You see sometimes uh, there are many people who have children that have never been married and never intended to get married. They made a a decision long ago that marriage was not for them or it was not important. It wasn't something that was on their plate. They didn't plan it and it just isn't there. Well, now that those people have been saved, what do you think is going to have to happen in their soul somewhere in order for them to begin to anticipate everything God has for them? they don't have to change their attitude they have to change their thinking they don't have to get their minds renewed to the way God thinks when he says two are better than one they have to be able to confront that anger that rises up in them that says that's not for them you understand what i'm saying there's something in people that fights the will of god and the word of god so it will fight your contentment If you don't agree with God's word. Now, you can agree with marriage is good and marriage is honorable and never be married. But you'll be a contented person. You understand? If you are in the will of God, you'll be a content person. The object is to make peace with God's will for all humanity. You have to make peace with the word of God. You can't continue to fight the word and struggle against God and think you'll be content. So the old man has to continually die so that the new man who's created in Christ's image can get fed the word so he can grow. Your inner man does not grow without the word. Now when I say without the word, I mean you have to read the word, receive the word, meditate on it. And then wrestle down the thoughts coming from your old man until they submit to the word. The Bible says cast down imaginations. That's thoughts and ideas and visions and dreams and plans. All that stuff that says God's word is not true. It says God's word is not for you says God's word is not going to come to pass in your life. You have to shoot that down and get it under your feet and subdue it and believe the word of God. That's how this happens. It doesn't happen just by coming to church and, and giving in the offering and, and doing some jobs around the church. There's an inner working that has to work continually or we will not be content. Please. People get get discontented when there is a conflict in the inside of them with the Word of God. You can't live with conflict. That conflict must be settled by the blood of the cross. The Bible says that an oath of confirmation is the end of all strife. So the oath of God has been confirmed and ratified in His Son's blood. So that means everybody can be peaceful and content now. There is no reason for anybody to be upset. And out of sorts and and unhappy and all that kind of stuff, there's no reason for it. Because Jesus paid the price for your happiness. Didn't he say he'd done all those things? I tell you these things that your joy might be full? That's contentment. That's the height of contentment. So, contentment really means to be happy, it means to be cheerful. It means to be of an easy mind. To be thankful. Contented people are grateful people. You can't be just in a knot all the time. Unhappy and I don't have this and I don't. Well, you're, you'll never get it. So you might as well be content. That's the way I look at you. Might as well be. <laughs> I remember... I remember I would I would be upset because I didn't have some things that I saw promised to me in the word. Now usually you see when you see answers to your problem in the Bible, you usually get peaceful and you get happy until you gotta wait for it. Then the devil stirs you up and you get mad again. And it's like how did I get this Bible full of promises and now I'm more upset than I ever was? I was broke, busted and disgusted and somewhat happy. Now I got the wealth of God in me and I'm mad again. But the devil will find a way to tick you off and trigger your dissatisfaction. I realized one thing I could not go backwards in my life and fix anything. And God can't either. That's why He makes you a new creature. See, his his idea of fixing it is to kill it. Doesn't he say reckon yourself dead to sin, dead to the old man, dead to the works of the flesh? Just reckon yourself dead. Accept the fact that you died to that. And that's not a factor anymore. There are a lot of things that I didn't have. Growing up, you know, there are people, adult people, take advantage of small children. I was one of those. But I realized God couldn't go back and fix anything. So when I reckoned it dead, it quit being important what I'd gone through. So you can't be defined as a Christian, you cannot be defined by your past experiences as a sinner. Because if you continue to live that way, you'll never get what God has for you because you'll always see yourself as, you know, a victim, disabled, taken advantage of, not valued. you, You know, you need to reckon yourself dead to that. How do you do that? You get in the Word and you start checking yourself when you start going down memory lane. You got me? You don't need a stroll down memory lane. You need a a fresh perspective about who you are, who your true identity. And really, to be honest with you, people treat each other badly because they don't recognize who they're dealing with. See, if people knew the value of one another, we would treat one another better. So that's why God demands that we treat one another better once we belong to him. Is my kids don't abuse each other, they don't cuss at each other, they don't get angry and fly off the handle at each other. They don't. You understand what I'm saying? They don't indulge themselves. If you walk in love, love is patient and kind. It doesn't. It doesn't seek its own way. It's not selfish. It's not trying to run everything. You know, with an attitude or a temper. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, some people are. They come in the house, and, and here's a tornado. The human tornado just walked in. You know, because they're upset, and they're and they like to control everything around them, and boast of how troubled they are. You know, I lived like that for a while. You know, you, you listen. I've been through it almost at all, and I'm going to tell you that I know God delivers you out of. Your destructions. He delivers you out of yourself. He delivers you out of your bad past. He delivers you out of your bad marriage, your bad current situation. God is a deliverer. So if you want deliverance, it's there for you. I always say people who don't get it, don't want it, or don't accept the fact that they need it, they're not ready to come out. So a lot of times we like indulging ourselves in that thing that tends to draw people to us, you know, for some kind of bogus affection or something like that. So I remember when I was first depressed, I couldn't help myself from thinking uh, depressed and discouraging thoughts all the time. And one time God showed me... Uh, Philippians 4, I think it's 19, think on these things, whatsoever things are good, are pure, are lovely, of good report. And I went down that whole list. Here it is, Philippians uh, 4, 8. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, honest, just, pure, lovely. I mean, you have an assortment of things to think on. Not just one thing. But you take your pick. Things that are praiseworthy and thankworthy. And I argued with God and I said, God, I can't think. There's nothing in my life that's like this. And the Lord reminded me that I was saved. He said, if you don't do anything, you start rejoicing in your salvation. And pretty soon, guess what? I wasn't as discouraged as I have been. I wasn't I did simple obedience finding help in God's word and accepting it. This is how you get delivered. You find and you accept your help in the word and you embrace it. You don't keep arguing with it. You don't keep holding on to what used to be. You know as a crutch or an excuse for not going forward. Now I admit going forward's a little scary sometimes. But you gotta step out there anyway. You can't stay where you are. You cannot stay where you are. Because once God closes the door to the place where you are, then there's nothing. So you must move on. You got me? He forces you to move on. And praise God for that. It's not a bad thing, that's a good thing. You got me it's a good thing. I I can remember uh, being a, a little kid trying to learn how to swim. And uh, the lifeguards, when they would have a little swimming classes, they'd have each kid one at a time. They'd stand out in the water, and you had to jump toward them. And you'd stand there on the edge. Of course, I was one of those kids that I could stay on the edge till winter came. You know what I'm saying? It's like froze. And they keep saying, come on, come on, come on, come on. Yes, okay, I got gotcha. you. Well, that's what God does to us. He's got us. I mean, living by faith isn't going to kill you. You'll die resisting him and resisting faith. But justified people live by faith. We know the possibilities of God and we step into them. Amen. Once you Once you see that faith works... You're anxious for the next place to jump off. Huh? Uh-huh. Then that way, but you see, God won't let you do it that way because that way is you and not Him. So He takes that away for a season. You just live where you are for a good little season, and when it's time for you to move again, I'll come back for you. That way, He's God and you're not. Okay. We get to be faith junkies after a while. Everything we want to do, we think we can do it. Because of our faith, well, just hang on—you'll be, you'll get a chance to use it again. But there is a faith that that helps you to maintain where you are in God. So, and that's that's a challenge too—is to hold on to what God's given you, and to maintain it even when it gets boring. Even when it's not so, uh, you're not so content anymore. You get this restlessness in you. You want to do more. You want to move on. You're ready for something else. Ready for this. Ready for that. And then God will help us to maintain even during times when we're trying to be hungry on our own. There's a, a thing that we do sometimes where we get anxious or itchy for something new. That's just the way people are. And so when you get that little, that twitch on your own, you have, to, you have to be careful to go to God with those things because it's probably not time for you to move yet. You let your flesh get involved in making forward progress in God. And so God won't have that. That won't succeed. But he hears you. He knows that you feel like you're ready for something else. Amen. He'll let you know when it's your turn. Then when it's time to move, you say, oh, no, I need a confirmation. Yeah. Right, 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 right. So here we are again. 1 Timothy six tells us godliness with contentment is great gain. So contentment is not like uh, some consolation prize. Like people, when you say the word content, it's like, well, there's nothing exciting about that. Uh, but it's very, very... Fruitful for your life it's a good thing for your life amen and and there's a, a situation where you will be persecuted for trusting and believing God and that godliness you're going to have to pay a price for that so that's what the writer is talking about here. in fact, I think I'll turn to it what say first Timothy six. I mean, it's interesting, this life that we have. It's not boring at all, folks. And you don't need to create your own problems to make it interesting. (laughs) You have enough. Jesus said, it's sufficient for the day is the evil thereof. There's enough trouble in your day, every day, for you not to have to go around making trouble for yourself. 1 Timothy 6 and verse 6. He says, but godliness with contentment is great gain, even if you don't have material things. Why? He says, we didn't bring anything into this world. You can't take anything out. So your, your possessions are here and they will remain here. But what will last is your godliness. And if you can have that with contentment, it's great gain. So if you cannot have misgivings about living for God, you know, a lot of times we think, well, you know, when I live for God, I have to do this, I have to do that, I can't do this, I can't do that. You need to count it a privilege to be able to live for God and be content. Learn how to be content. Learn how to stop the argument in your brain that tells you that this is not a good life. That always wants you know, and and to be honest with you, a lot of our teachings that we love so dearly tend to put us into more discontentment than anything else. You hear somebody teach for three hours on how they live debt free and they pay cash for their house and you won't be so excited about. Now if you don't receive it in the right way, it can make you very upset and discontented where you are in your life right now. That's why I tell people that it's when you start teaching on money you run the risk of doing great damage to people. We, we should preach holiness folks. Holiness. Holiness. That's where the contentment comes. Anything you have that's in this earth realm is a side benefit that maybe makes your life more comfortable while you're here. You know, your material possessions are like furniture. If you've got a comfortable recliner, you you gravitate toward that when you come inside your house because you know you want to rest and that thing is always giving you comfort. And that's really all the material blessings of this life are about. They're necessary comforts for you because you live on earth. They're not what make you content. Contentment must be something you you receive on the inside of you. Contentment is an inner working uh, uh, condition. So... Your contentment must be that you have peace with God in all things. That's part of what contentment is peace with God in all things. The things that you have may not be perfect from a standpoint of all of your prayers are answered, but your struggle has ceased. A contented person has stopped struggling about things that are coming to them in their lives. A sense of inner peace and well-being persists. It's a persistent condition. It's not come and go. And it's not present when you get something from God or get a prayer answered. But it's a continual condition of the heart and of the spirit. Contentment centers around the will of God and knowing what your portion is and accepting it. The portion of people in persecuted nations is different than ours. You got me? Uh, And it's been assigned by God for a reason. They have their portion for a reason and we have ours. But being content with whatever your portion is, is a great blessing. They have to find their contentment and we have to find ours. Everybody must find their own contentment. You must accept that God has you on his mind at all times. So that means quit thinking about yourself so much. Hello? God has you on his mind at all times, therefore, you both don't have to keep thinking about you all the time. Mm -hmm. Being a part of his plan is essential for your well being. Mm -hmm. Being part of God's plan is essential. For your well-being. You can't just float through life. If, If you don't see yourself as God's minister in the earth. And an instrument for him to do good through. And I mean that. It's not cliche. You've got to see yourself as somebody that God desperately needs to use to do good. You have to see yourself that way. If you don't, you'll be frustrated because then you'll be at the mercy of people around you. See, you're either an instrument or you're a victim. If you're an instrument, then you go forward doing good like Jesus did. And God's always with you. If you don't see yourself as an instrument of good, you'll see yourself as a victim, as somebody who is... Is at the mercy of, uh, you know, your family, your boss, your wife, you, you know, the church, whatever. You know, you're just always powerless, impotent, and not able to do anything to determine your own destiny. And God, Jesus didn't die for you to live a weak life. He died for you to live a life strong, but in His purpose. Get people off your mind. Starting with yourself. Get you off your mind and get other people off your mind. Unless you're, they're on your mind so that you can help them. If you're, not, if you're not considering people as their helper and their servant, your mind's geared wrong. you got to ungear that and hook it up right. No, people are there for you to love and serve. That's the extent of it. Don't worry about what they think about you, how they treat you, will they do what you say. You know, the answer to that is no, 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 and no. And it's not necessary. When I first started the ministry, my concern was getting people to come to the meetings on time. Because the people that were setting up the meeting came later than the guests. I'd be sitting there waiting for everybody to come with their little things that they had to do. And the guests would be coming in. I'd be sitting there. And then the workers showed up. But over a period of time, they grew and they quit whining about, you know, I, I could stand at that door. That's why I quit doing it. Everybody came in with an excuse My kids this, I couldn't get this. And so eventually the whine was taken out of everybody. Myself included, I'd whine to God about who are these people? (laughs) Why did you stick me with these people? You understand what I'm saying? So we all had to mature together, you know. And so this is how it, it happens. You God gets everybody in there. We're all rough cuts. But we got one rough cut that's in charge. And that's, that's the way it works. That's how his kingdom is developed. Anybody's read their Bible, you'll get a sober understanding of how he develops his church. How he develops a congregation. How he develops a people. And so... My prayer was that people would begin to fall in love with God and with the work that he gave us to do. And once that happened, then all the, you know, well, some people still come in late. But, you know, the ones who catch on to it, they'll start developing res- responsibility and respect for God. And, and things grow from there. And so that that gets to be something where you can start depending upon people you can rely on them that when you're not there they're carrying on like they're supposed to and that's necessary for a church to function. You can't stay babies forever with the pastor diaper changing everybody. You know, you have to grow up and mature on the inside and learn how to be content doing your job as unto the Lord. You know, God's watching what you do. You know, whether I ever say anything or not. I try to keep up on it, but I found that many people don't want encouragement. They want to criticize me. So I even stopped a lot of nonsense around that, you know. Uh, Do I do anything right? No, you don't. Shut up. (laughs) That's what you want to say. You know, (laughs) slap them in a corner until they get some manners, you know. Uh, People just don't like being corrected. That's what that is. And they don't realize that in themselves. They just come out with it and never question whether their end of it is right or wrong. They want to accuse the person in charge of, of some kind of neglect or, you know, you don't love me, you don't like me, you misuse me. You have to take that up with God. You know, you can't, you can't take that up with people who are leaders. They have enough to be concerned about. You know, I'll talk to anybody about anything, but the accusation's got to stop. You can't accuse me of being this, that, and the other because I'm accuse you of it. So let's be mature here and learn how to live out of inner contentment. I found that if people can get relationship with God, a lot of that mm, discontent, you know, complaining, all that, that stops when you get your inner peace with God. And that's what this life is all about. So contentment really... Needs means to have a state of peace about all things, even the things you don't have yet. you got to be peaceful about it. See, a peaceful person understands it's coming, it's on the way. A person who is not content feels like it's being withheld or they're never going to get it. So then the devil puts you into a, a condition of starvation. You start starving for things that are really, really small. You make them big. You know, you... It's the argument, you know people uh, they didn't like me at that church. nobody spoke to me when I came in. Uh, there's certain people in there they like better than other people. that you're being concerned about yourself too much. And see, I had to accept that God took care of me period. I don't have to take care of myself. God takes care of you period. You don't have to be concerned about yourself. Why should you if he's taking care of you? Can you do a better job? You're going to make him stop taking care? Are you so burdensome you need two caretakers? You, You just really need to obey God and care for others. That's really what the Bible says. You start really walking in love with God and it's extraordinary sometimes the things that we'll do toward others because people need to know God cares about them. Well if you know that already then you need to start showing other people the same thing. That's what the gospel really is. It's caring for those. That God puts in your path because he really wants to love everybody. I remember many times getting angry because my husband was always angry at me for serving God and going to church. That was before he got saved. And so I would get upset. And the Lord stopped me one day. He said, now you're going to have to get peaceful about this. He said, you and I got to get an understanding. He said, he said, he's going to come in. He said, I have a date and a time set for him. And he showed me in the Bible where it says salvation belongs to the Lord. And he said, You're upset because you're minding something that's not your own business. He said, You can't save him. Your prayers will help, but I already got the date and the time set for him. He said, Now you know me already. Why are you upset? He doesn't know me. Now you can be helpful and let him get to know me through you. Or you can make yourself upset the whole time. But I'm going to save him. So You see what I'm saying? So it's like this. You can either be content and enjoy the ride. Or you can complain about every bump in the road and every crooked thing. (laughs) Straighten this car up, God. I don't like the way this car is rolling. It ain't rolling right. I know it ain't going where it's supposed to get. Get to getting, God. Know how we do. We good at that. You ain't driving the car. You don't even have the keys. You don't know where you're going. So you could enjoy this carefree life, or you can start taking on stuff that's not your responsibility. Hmm? And keep your little nose out of joint the whole time. But that person will get saved. Your prayer, your lack of prayer, your nothing makes any difference. They're predestined for it. God knows the day, the time, and hour. Now you can be a good girl and hang around and enjoy it after they're saved. Or you can be naughty and cut up and let some other woman cash your husband's paycheck. It's up to you. But they will get saved. They will get saved. You can't stop it. You can't hinder it, and you can't hasten it. So all you got to do is sit down and go. Come along for the ride. So, <laughs> you know, God and I would have what I would call them little talks. And after we had them little talks, I was straight. You understand? I was cool. You didn't have no more problem out, Baba. After we had our little talk, didn't He say that? Come, let us reason together. Yeah, yeah. So, so you need to get things settled. And and these these times where God <clears throat> kind of gets you out of a knot within yourself will settle things for you. You you'll get settled and you don't go back to the nonsense again. What keeps people dealing in nonsense is they never talk with God and get it settled. See? You have to get certain things settled in order to have contentment. So it it really centers around the will of God and knowing and accepting your portion. You must accept that God has you on his mind at all times. If you don't think that, you're you're not thinking right. See, the more you know God is thinking about you, the less you have to think about yourself. Being a part of his plan is essential for contentment and well-being. So Paul, even though he was persecuted quite a bit, he had beat up everywhere he went, he was content more because he knew he was in the will of God than any other reason. Once you know the will of God, you're in the will of God. There's no reason to be upset about anything. There's no reason to, to think anything's lacking. Because the will of God settles everything. That's where you, you have all peace, all protection, all expectation, all goodness, all everything is in the will of God. So find it, make it your business to find there and stay there. Contentment really becomes... A compass that draws you toward God and keeps you centered in Him. So once you have that sense of contentment, when you step out of it, you have to get back that sense that you had that everything was okay. So it becomes a compass. You know, it, it lets you know contentment is more than peace, contentment is peace with some other things added to it that fulfill you peace is one aspect of it but contentment has other things connected that fulfill you it has happiness and joy and a lot of fruit of the spirit that you need to endure an atmosphere that may be contrary to you off and off so when your atmosphere is contrary it doesn't have to affect you. You don't have to go running off talking about how bad things are. You, you, you can keep an inner peace. And it's not like you're being a hypocrite and pretending that everything's wonderful. You know, people get, you don't think so extreme about everything. You're not pretending anywhere. That's your real life, what's on the inside of you. You're living in the reality of who you really are. And being connected to God in a real way. So that contentment need never go away. I was when my husband passed away, I was in a, a state of I didn't feel good then. I I, I really didn't. I just felt You know, it's it's really kind of hard to describe. But I did have a contentment in a sense because I knew I could see down the road a day when it would not be that way. See, you have to live in a hope of something better but not put off your contentment until it gets to you. You have to pull all of the... The feelings and the fruit of the spirit from that place into the person where you are right now. That's what faith is. So faith will bring contentment to you even when your circumstances are bad. And see, to me, there's no big loss or little loss, it's all bad. There's no big hurt or little hurt. Pain is pain. I don't care who's feeling it and, and how, it, how it goes. But the thing of it is you don't have to live. And he bore your pains and carried your sorrows and your griefs and all that stuff. So I had to live in a conscious effort of ministering truth to my soul so that my soul could be fed. What I couldn't take was a lot of nonsense pressure from people. So I had to keep myself kind of like at a comfortable distance from people and their nonsense, what I call nonsense. (laughs) My feeling was your husband didn't die, so get out of my face. You know what I'm saying? It's like people's like, well, well, so-and-so is, they don't like me. And I'm thinking I could strangle you, you know. (laughs) Really? (laughs) So. Lest you get in a strife with people and, and, you know, hit them with your discontent, you really need to absent yourself from people. Which is hard because people are depending on you to function. You know what I'm saying? It's a tough place to be in. But you can be content even in that place, even though you might have bouts where you're fighting with it. You know, you're fighting... Discouragement. You're fighting depression. You're fighting loneliness. You're fighting anger and hurt and all those things. But you still have to center yourself around, God, I am in your will. I know I'm doing what you want me to do. I'm on low fuel and low gear, but I'm there. You know, I'm doing it. I'm I'm not giving up and I'm not running away. Because I see many people give up and run away over minor things. You know, people will quit serving God because they feel like everybody else has more than they have. It's just silly, petty things. And uh, you don't know what people have. I always tell people what's what's visible is not what's real. You know, people might have a brand new car, but they got notes. You want the notes too? (laughs) You know, then thank God for your clunker. (coughs) That's paid for and that runs well. (coughs) That runs by faith. You keep laying hands on it. You keep prophesying to it. And it keeps running. And thank God for it. And keep it moving. You know, that's your contentment. You can't borrow somebody else's life. You borrow a lot of trouble when you do that. And I think it's an insult to God for us to covet what somebody else has. Every time you see somebody whistle, oh yeah, I'm going to get one of those. Shut up. You're not getting anything. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? Just draw from what's in. You don't need anything outside to inspire you. You really don't. You just draw from what's within. You're wealthy on the inside. You know, you need to check in to your inner wealth sometimes. You know, you've got wisdom, ideas, you've got Uh, uh, expectation on the inside of you. All of that stuff can make you a very contented person if you will let it work for you. You know, don't, don't fight it. Don't keep fighting everything that tells you you're okay. So, uh, contentment can be a compass that draws you toward God and keeps you centered in Him. Contentment really is a place of love where you know you're loved. Love has nothing to do with the outer adornments of your life. It has all to do with the inner. If we adopt God's goals for us and know by faith that, we, that they belong to us, we are full. We are filled. You're not lacking anything. You're not missing anything. You're full of hope and expectation. Those things cannot be purchased. Man, they've been purchased already for you by the blood of the cross. We can be hungry also because God has more for us. And we have a sense that there is more for us and there is more coming. So we have to learn how to be. It's from that place of contentment that God then moves us to the next place that we need to be. So if you're looking for an answer to prayer, you must become content where you are. Not complacent, content. Content means to be fulfilled, to be happy, to be joyful, to be pleasant. All of those things. To be peaceful. To be excited. All of those things. That comes from contentment. So God has more for us. Not things, but more of Him. You, You expect things according to your need and according to your want. So God has a room full of things. You can just come in there and shop anytime you want to. But God wants to fill us up with inner things. You got me? Inner things. To be content is to have a solid relationship with the Father. You are adopted as a son or a daughter. You have a solid relationship with Him. Which means that you don't expect Him of not wanting you to have stuff. You don't think weird thoughts about God. You're not suspicious about what His intent is towards you. You everything's out in the open. You know what he, he you know He loves you. You know He's thinking about you continually. You know you're content. Got me? You have that contentment. You know that you are accepted in the Beloved. You're adopted of God. You're not an orphan. You have a father and a family. In fact, you've always had that. Amen? You've always had that. You haven't been aware of it, but you've always had that. Now, that makes people feel silly for spending years being upset because of what they didn't have, you know, parent wise. Well, I didn't have a family that loved me. No, you had a father all along. You just were never aware of it. Now that you're aware of it, what are you going to do? You're going to get content? You're going to get to know your father? You're going to get to know your Christian family or you're going to stay on the outside complaining about something that happened to a dead person. Yeah. You reckon yourself dead to that and you'll live in the newness of life. We are accepted in the beloved and we are going somewhere in life. God has ordained everything that we do. Everything. Everything. From the least thing to the greatest thing is ordered by Him. God orders situations in our lives so that He can prove Himself to us. You know, get beyond things. You know, bless. You know, I'm waiting on this to happen. I'm waiting. waiting. Quit waiting. Live in the now. Live in your inner environment of love, joy, and peace. Talk to God. You know, I mean really, spend time with him, understanding what he wants you to do, expressing your confusion, your disillusionment, expressing everything to him. But in a way where you expect an answer from him. Don't just rail at God and I don't like this and, I, and don't, don't sit there and take your medicine back. You understand what I'm saying? You, this has got to be a discussion. You know, it's common nowadays for people to accuse and finger point. You know, I've never seen such accusation hurled. Uh, You know, the fact that we have all this communication open to us through the internet, social media, then you got the TV and you got the radio and you got internet radio. I've never heard the devil have so much to say against people. You know, the accuser of the brethren is at work triple time. You know, if you're not on our side, you get accused of being the worst things that could ever be imagined by another human being against one. So there's no sharing of ideas. There's no dialogue anymore. There's nothing but railing accusation against people that you don't agree with or you don't value. And so we can pick that up and start having that attitude toward God and then nothing ever changes. See, your life, as long as you have an attitude that some that life isn't fair and God's not treating you right or something's, something's wrong and it's God's fault. That's really, you know, we don't say that, but you think that. You know, something is, you know, I'm deserving of this and I've never had it and I'm not going to get it. And God, why? And, you know, you're picking on me. You don't do me right. You just This is wrong and that's wrong. And you never get, you never open yourself up to a dialogue with God to get understanding, to get a sense of being loved. See, God isn't there to just to rebuke you and make you shut up. At the end of the conversation, he wants you to know that you are loved and you're cared about and you're cared for. He's not going to leave you out there feeling bankrupt and all that crazy stuff. You know, we do enough of that to ourselves. And so he wants, if he discusses with you your future, your this, your that, um, you've got to know. You know, you've got to know. And you got to get it from God. You can't assume to have God's mind. you got to get your instruction directly from Him. You know, some of the things God's been able to open up my understanding to, I never would have thought in a million years that that was the answer to my situation. But humbling yourself before God and listening to Him and getting an understanding of your situation, how to get a grip on your life, where to get started. We all got to start somewhere. You don't just jump into full, full growth of things right off the bat. And so many times, just humbling yourself and listening to what God's telling you, He can talk to you through anybody. Talk to you through your, your pastor, your, uh, your peers. We can talk to you through you know, somebody you listen to on the radio, television, uh, you know, anything like that. He, he's free to speak to us first one way, then the other way. So we have to listen. You have to listen to the voice of wisdom. When wisdom speaks to you, you've got to appreciate it, and you must listen. You can't ever shut your ears off. To what God might be telling you, you got me, you just just have to you really do you you have to you have to listen to you know, you listen to your spouse, I remember hearing a lot of things from my husband I didn't want to hear, you know, like no, you can't, barb, <laughs> yes, I can, no, you can, yes, I can, no, you can, yes, I can, yes, I can, yes I can. <laughs> and I'll show you. Uh, whatever, uh, you know. <laughs> I, had to, I had to listen. Uh, you know, first thing I th- what comes in my your religious mind. Well, he don't know God, yeah, and you don't either. The way you acted you know, you're so far from Him right now. So cut it out. Uh, so you you have to do these things call humility you know what gets us into trouble is we think we have all the answers (laughs) you know and then when it backfires we we don't know nothing that's a good place to be stay in that place and not knowing nothing so maybe God can help you amen get you straightened out (laughs) but you want to be content you don't want to be out of sorts. This life is no good. Why go through life in Christ? Fragmented, messed up, crazy, You know, disillusioned, disappointed, all that kind of stuff. Thinking God is not moving quickly enough is not contentment. So that's one of your biggest enemy will be the time That's necessary to wait for God to hear you and to move things into your life. And really, when you get things, you don't really change that much. If things change you, you're on the wrong road, period. You need a major overhaul. But accomplishment of goals is important. Not the things attached to the goal. You understand? Because it gets old real quick. You get a new car, you got to wash it. It needs an oil change. After a while it quits smelling new. So you buy a little air freshener that says new car smell on there so you can keep that. You know, And you have to move then beyond possession over into ownership. See when you move when you move beyond possession, you only possess one time. After that you move into ownership. And so if you acquire something, then you start paying the price of ownership, which is sobering. You know, getting something from God, getting excited about it, oh God bless me with so and so. That's a moment in time. The long haul will be Caring for it, possessing it, and keeping the value of it in your heart. See, it might depreciate in the natural, but you have to keep the value for certain things in your heart. Or you're just a heathen. You know, you're just looking for something to prove that something to yourself. And once you get it, you're done with it kind of thing. God's kids don't act like that. So that's why sometimes we have to wait until we're good and mature for what you see other people get real quickly. Think about it. So, so we, we must understand and trust God. You've got to trust that he's a good God. Uh, no matter what you have or don't have, he's still good. He don't change because of what you possess or not possess. He's always the same. I think what God is waiting for is for us to show that we trust him consistently. So if one day you're upset about waiting for something, and then you finally cool off and you have three days of not being upset, and then you go back to upset again, you're not really trusting God. So you're not content no matter what state you're in. And your state is really your mental condition. It doesn't your state has nothing to do with what you have in the natural. It's all what's inside of you and what you think about it. So you can spend your whole life being upset about things and then finally one day you realize I have wasted years of my life just feeling that life wasn't good it wasn't what it needed to be it was substandard it wasn't to my liking it wasn't this it wasn't I yeah. it's funny you can have all the same things on Wednesday that you had on Friday Friday it didn't bug you now all of a sudden it's Wednesday and everything bothers you so nothing really changed just you changed your attitude about it You change your mind about it. All of a sudden it's a curse to you and not a blessing. See that's why thanksgiving is so important. When you constantly thank God. It puts you in a different frame of mind. Than when you're critical. And you're judging. You know. We just don't do it enough. To make it effective in us to affect the change. We think about it here and there. Wait till we get all in a snit and upset about something. And then we say, oh yeah, I could do this and I could do that. Well, you could carry that in you at all times. You don't have to react to everything. So God speaks to us and he wants continual dialogue with us. Did you know God wants to talk to you all the time? Mm -hmm. friend that sticks closer than a brother, he wants to talk to you at all times. Pay attention to him if you want to be content. Listen to what he's telling you. Once you know that you're important to him, once you know that, if you don't know that, ask God to show you. Show you your importance to him. Show you how much he loves you. Show you these things. There is evidence in your surroundings of God's love for you. Start looking for evidence of his love instead of problems. Things to be upset about. Things that don't go like you want it to go. You know. If you draw near to him, he will not reject you. He will not reject you. He's the one person that will let you draw near and stay near. Enoch, the Bible says Enoch walked with God. It didn't say God walked with Enoch. Enoch walked with him. In other words, Enoch drew near to him and God led him. And one day Enoch forgot to go home. He just kept going on home with God. So if you draw near to him, he will not cast you out. I mean if that don't settle all your problems my goodness I don't know I mean the the fact that the the god of the universe the creator of all things lets you walk with him continually he's really what you need you don't need all these things you think you need yeah, I got to have this I got to have that yeah. All the things that you think you want to make you happy come at a price. There's a price of maintenance of things. <laughs> we always want to advance. We want an advance in career and finances and property. But you need to ask yourself why. You've got to decide what your heart longs for. And only God can help you decide that. You know, I, I when I started ministry, people were afraid of me, and and part of it was the anointing, and I knew that. But the other part was the presence of God. You know, people would say, "Well, I just get nervous sometimes when you talk." I said, "Well, I'm sorry, but that's probably God." <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Now yeah, I know a lot of y'all say, "Well, you just mean sometimes." You are too. But I'm talking about the presence of God. Well, I walk with God because I had to. I was forced to. I didn't have anybody else. When I had a nervous breakdown, I had no friends anymore. I couldn't I could call and their numbers would ring and they never answer and never return calls. My husband didn't want to be married to me anymore. My parents and all my family were ashamed and embarrassed of me. So I was forced to make God my friend. Bible, I read it all day. When I say all day, I mean from the time I woke up until the time I went to bed. The Bible was my companion. So God forced me to make him my only friend. And so he adds people in and out of my life, and I enjoy people, but I know who my friend is. See, I don't drop God and go run after people. And I think that's what upsets people some. You know, you're not moved. I'm not moved by anything you think about me. Now, you may think that's wrong, but let me tell you, who are you to think anything wrong about anybody? You got me? My walking with God helps me love you. When you're not lovable, uh-huh, and you, when you upset my plans, and i got to go do make other plans, because you won't do what you're supposed to do, and I still love you. Come on now. Let's, let's not get goofy here. But God did that for His purpose. Not for me, and not for you necessarily. He did it for His purpose. And so there are times when God will cause you to starve for attention from humanity so that he can draw you to him for his purpose. If he don't get people sold on him, he's got no help down here anywhere. You got me? So I don't drop God for people. You got me? You've got to know where you're anchored. You've got to know to whom you belong. You've got to know who you got your trust in. You have to know these things. And you have to be faithful to them. I let God know that no matter what happens, He can count on me to be available to work for Him. Whenever, wherever. I don't care. I've always felt that way. I faltered a little bit while I was married because I thought my husband would be too demanding on my time. It's high maintenance. You know what I'm saying. I mean, he took care of himself, don't get me wrong, but he's a little high maintenance kind of guy. You know, He finds out, you, you know, oh, how much time you got? Here we go again. You know, signing my time, volunteering me for... It's called love when you when you accept the volunteer job in the household it's called love amen so but but I found that that was a safeguard for me because many times there were things that I wanted to do and I thought God was in it and if he had doubts about it it kept me from stepping off and getting stupid. And then it helped me to stay in the will of God. To have a husband that had something to say about what I did. Got me? And so I always allowed God to use him to confirm what his will was for me. But he couldn't run the ministry. I think this is where people make mistakes. Married people always, you know, they get stupid. Um... That ministry was put in my heart to do. And so God speaks to me about that. But in the household where my husband is, he's the head of our household. You got me? It ain't hard to do. You don't get the lines blurred. I could put him up there in the pulpit, but he wouldn't have much to offer. You got me? He could put me in his job, and I'd wreck it like in two minutes. Well, i get everybody lined up. <laughs> you got me so, so this is why God has these things separated out for us but you, you got to know at the end of the day that God is your very best friend that you will ever have in the world don't ever get on the outs with him don't ever let your behavior to be something that God doesn't approve of don't let the condition of your heart get hardened So that you're not allowing God to put hope and encouragement on the inside of you. Don't stiffen against Him. Because He is your friend. If nobody else is your friend, God is definitely your friend. You prove that by being obedient to Him. You know, Job, let me think which one that is. Job 36.11 if you obey and serve the Lord, you spend your days in prosperity and your years in contentment. If you obey and serve Him. It's so simple. You have two things to do. Obey and serve. And so years in prosperity, days in contentment, just being content in all things. You you can decide contentment. You don't have to wait until you get in a certain position Come on now, if you haven't figured that out now, figure that part out. You you can decide to be content. Keep keep your mind on what's good and lovely. Honest, true, good report. Thankworthy, praiseworthy. God gave me little, little skills when I was depressed. I'd find out, you know, somebody was doing a, a little training on this or a little course on that and I got I had a time so if I took a pill at a certain part of you know, time of the day I could go sit through something and pay attention. And that's how I lived my life until I was totally healed. God delivered me. And so you do what you can. Now people say, Well I can't believe you were ever that well I was. But that person died too. You understand what I'm saying? I'm dead to that now. But it took me steps of crawling toward wholeness before I got whole. You just wake up one day. It would have been nice. I looked at the story about the Gadarene demoniac. I said, look, God, you healed him just boom, like that. And I realized I wasn't going to go there. You know, mine was going to be different. Whatever for God's reason. You got me? But I learned how to stay humble every day. Mostly we humble ourselves when we need something. Everybody knows how to be nice when you expect God to do something for you. But day after day after day is what he wants. He wants you humble every day. And so if you you have to crawl a little bit and have to endure for many years before you get to that place where you get promoted then it's for a purpose. And it's not God just being mean to you. And, you know, then we're scared to be mad at God, so then we get mad at people, you know, that kind of stuff. And so it's none of that. This is the will of God concerning you. This is God's will. If you don't believe it's God's will, then rebuke the devil and look for a change. But if you rebuke the devil and no change comes, it's the will of God for you. It's not going to kill you to stay in this place for a number of years. It's not going to kill you to to do this for a little while longer. It's not going to kill you, and it won't kill you to do this forever. Suppose this is as good as it gets for you. (laughs) See, that's not faith. We think faith people don't talk like that. But sometimes it is. Amen? Amen. Sometimes it is. Sometimes we'll have to content ourselves right where we are, because sometimes the thing we think we're waiting on God to do, we've never really gotten it from God. You get it from other people, not maybe for you, but you haven't gotten it from God. That's an idea you picked up from Christians around you talking stuff and. Saying God's going to do this and saying He's going to do that, but you never got it in your heart from God. And that way, it won't. No faith will grow behind it. It won't manifest. It won't be there. I talk to to single people and I say, well, you know, God's going to do this. He'll, you know, there is somebody for you, and it goes in one ear and out the other. I can tell they don't believe it one little bit. Well, if you don't believe anything regarding marriage how are you ever going to get married you're just holding on to your old single mindset and thinking you're waiting on God you can tell by people's conversations you can tell by what they're thanking God for you know sometimes people you can tell if there's shame involved in something you know if there's shame in something you say you want you won't get it And a lot of people, young people, are ashamed to say they want to be married. I don't know what's wrong with it, but, you know, they find something. Well, you know, if there's shame there, it's not coming from God, and your faith isn't free to receive anything from God. Anything you're ashamed of, shame involved in anything, will hinder your faith. you got to get the shame out of your game. And start really expecting God. Humble yourself. Expect God to do great things in your life. Expect him to bring you the things that you're, you're saying you want out of life. Expect it. If there's never any expectation, there won't be any fulfillment. Ask yourself this. Are you happy? If you're not happy, then why not? What would make you happy? What is it that God has for you? Many times we have nothing in mind, and so nothing comes. Mm -hmm. Can you allow God to adjust your vision and your hope so that you can adopt His will, which is His best for you? Contentment is not a consolation prize. Or a second rate condition of life. It is high living. When you're a content person, that's high level living. You won't get any higher than contentment. So when you have godliness and contentment, the Bible says it's great gain. Great gain. You have to fight sometimes to hold on to your contentment. Amen. You, you really do. Because it can slip away from you so easily. You can start thinking haywire, or you can you go one day without forgiving offenses and see how, how content you are. You get so out of sorts. God wants us to live in a state of continual forgiveness, continually extending release for people from offenses and and you know the more you're offended the more you're offended you know you get to the point where everything upsets you and there's no pleasing you you know you that's a person who's, who's bound in unforgiveness you, you have to it has to be resident within you to instantly forgive anytime you feel upset on the inside, you need to be mouthing those words, well Lord, I forgive them i 'm sorry lord don't don 't let me hold on to this. I, I want to get rid of this, Lord, please forgive me for not forgiving these people or this person, something like that, but it has to be instant and it has to be resident within you. It has to be released at the first sign of offense, if not, it will be it will destroy you. To be a true son of God. A true son of God doesn't question why they have to forgive. They understand it. It's a mandate from heaven. This is a command of God. And that means you do it instantly. Huh? And so that there's no trace of any offense in you. That becomes a snare for you. Uh, And that's really what the devil's up to. He's trying. He's outwitting you through your own mind. You got me. And so that that was the first thing God had me work on was instant forgiveness, or I couldn't have been healed without it. I saw that clearly in the Bible when He would show me the fearful, the unbelieving. It's in the Book of Revelation, both be thrown into the lake of fire. And I thought I was I was getting pity from God because I was scared all the time. And he said, Oh, no, you get punished for that. I'm thinking, What? <laughs> you mean I've got to let go of my pet fears? You understand me? We all got to let go of our pet everything because something better is before us. We have to let go of those things. But I read the parable about the, remember the guy that somebody owed him a little bit? No, well, he owed a lot. And the guy forgave him. Then somebody ran into somebody owed him a little bit. He had a thrown in jail. And the, the Bible says that the, the other guy uh, that had forgiven him much found out about it. That's God. And he handed him over to his tormentors. And the Lord told me, he said, that's why you're depressed. He said, you haven't forgiven people. Mm-hmm. And so I set about forgiving people. I called people. I wrote letters to people. I forgave them to their face. You got me? And I slowly started to heal. And I realized when I was getting sick again why it was. Because I started holding on to grievances again. Nursing upsets. They're wrong. Because they're wrong, that doesn't make you right. You can both be wrong. You got me? And it's easy to do. See, you can be the upset in the whole situation and think everybody's picking on you. You got me? And you're the one who's upsetting everything. You know a Christian has more power to make things right, but also more power to carry the whole thing downhill if they let the devil get in there. See, we control atmospheres. So that's how, why you have to be careful how you walk. Careful what you think. Careful what spirit grabs a hold on you. And release evil from yourself as quickly as possible. Because you can take the whole situation down just you one by yourself. And you think it's everybody else. And it's you that's carrying that atmosphere. Because see, God puts us in situations to do good. You get in a situation, you do bad. I don't care who provokes you to do it. You're still doing wrong. There's no excuse for it. Now, I was a new Christian. I wasn't in a church. I was nowhere with me at home with my Bible. And God taught me how to walk in victory over my sin, over depression, over wrong thinking, all of that. He taught me that himself. And see, we're here and we're... We've got teachings, we got tapes, we've got all this stuff, but the, where we fail to do, we fail to practice what we're told to do. You've got to do this all the time. You can't sit up and think about how many times you forgive somebody. You've got to do it automatically and not feel bad for doing it. Not grumble at God for making you humble yourself all the time. If you don't humble yourself, the atmosphere will die. You might be the only one holding up a a godly atmosphere in a place. (laughs) The devil wants you out. That's why he pushed you out. And he uses you to help him. Help him so much. You know what I'm saying? We have to be so careful not to be careful about ourselves. Let God take care of you. Forget about all this other stuff. But if you let God take care of you, it will get done. Other than that, it won't get done. You can't do it yourself. once you get to, once the devil pokes you and you start holding that that wound, then he's got you. you let that wound go, and you let God have that. You can't heal yourself anyway. if you're holding on to all these different wounds, he'll just keep poking you pretty soon. you don't want to even function anymore yeah been there too i got myself to a place where i was functioning pretty good and i had a relapse start thinking about what am i going to do if this if that if that instead of sticking with my bible eight hours a day like i had been doing to stay healthy in my mind <laughs> i started thinking about other things you relapse you're not ready to get away from that regimen yet. you got to stay with that till God releases you from it. Amen? So listen, folks. We've got everything going for us, but we got to quit being lazy about putting it into practice. Contentment is a decision you make, but it creates an atmosphere within you and outside of you. You could be the person that carries the atmosphere pleasant for everybody. Got me? You can do that. But if the light in us is darkness, it's a great darkness. And it will permeate an entire atmosphere and cause things to be on the upset for everybody. And so we have to understand that that we are here to do good. Not to be recipients of everything, but to be initiators. You can initiate good wherever you are. You just have to be on the alert to do it. No, and I'm talking about in difficult situations. Sometimes it's easy to do good. You know, we all can witness and go out and pray for people. But the endurance thing is what we got to master also. You know, you might be in a situation, in a relationship, a marriage, a family situation, whatever it is. That's hard to endure. You can do good in that situation too. You don't have to fall down on a job because it's hard for you. You know, what else is new? <laughs> it's all hard. <laughs> Life down here is hard, folks. You know, you live out of your inner contentment. You don't live out of outer circumstances. And so God wants to, to reassure us of that. Just wanted me to exhort you today. It's the inner that makes all the difference in the world. You keep an inner cultivated with the fruit of God and you won't lack anything. You, the outer can can float away on a barge somewhere but your inner can be definitely at peace all the time. No problems. Amen. Father, we thank you for giving us your word and understanding and thank you, Lord, for helping us understand how the importance of contentment. It's not a secondhand condition at all, but it's high living. Contentment is very high living. So we thank you, Lord, that you've given great meaning to some of these common everyday words we take for granted. We don't think of that as as great things, but it certainly is. So we thank you, Lord, for giving us that inner peace and inner contentment. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen, and praise God. Amen, 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 amen. amen.